Heavenly Father, we come before you again with thanksgiving in our hearts. As we breathe in and out, we understand and recognize this because you allow us to. That is your breath in our lungs. It's because of that we come here before you today in your presence to pour out our praise, to give you thanks, to give you honor for what you rightly deserve. All the things that we've done is because of who you are and, and what you've instilled in us, what you've enabled us to do. And Father, for that we say thank you. As we dive into our text this morning, we see that it's not because of our own might, it's not because of our own work, but it's, it's because of you that we're able to, to navigate this very world, and we're able to do so because of your goodness, your grace, your blessing, your love. Thank you so much. Father, as we dive in and listen to you speak to us through your word. Help us to take it all in and, and leave here with a way that we can uh, put these things into action, that we don't leave here with head knowledge, but we leave here with a heart that's filled with love so that we can impact the world for your good and your glory. That people might know the name of Jesus because of what you've done for us and through us. Help us here today. Give me the words to say and how to say them. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight. My Lord, my strength and my redeemer, in whom I trust. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Won't you all please turn with me in your copy of God's Word. We're going to be in Romans chapter 4. Romans chapter 4 this morning. Um, I want you to leave here today knowing that you've got some credit in your account. And I saw some smiles there. If people get a gift card or, or go to, uh, they get some rewards points, so they go to the store and you got some, some extra funds, that feels good, doesn't it? When you, when you know you need some new clothes, new shoes, or whatever it is, and your birthday comes around, and you open that card, and you want to be nice. You just want to look at the card, but you, you, you want to see how much money they gave you, but you got to read the card, right? Oh, this is a very nice card, but it's even nicer. Some cash in here with this little credit card that I get to use as gift card. Isn't that cool? Especially if to a, one of your favorite places, one of your favorite restaurants, or one of your favorite stores, and like, oh, man, I'm going wild out on this. Go give me a nice little steak at that Longhorn or something, you know? This is pretty nice. It's nice to know that, that you have a credit on your account. Because, I mean, we all work hard, and we try to do different things, and we've got bills to pay and, and all these different things. And so all that stuff is already accounted for. But when you got something extra, when you got some credit that you can do whatever it is that you want to or need to with, that, that's, that's kind of extra special. I'm here to tell you today that you have credit on your account. And this is better than any pair of shoes you can buy. It's better than any shirt or any suit or any, any nice dinner. What I'm talking about here today is a credit on your account from our Father in heaven. Because of what Jesus Christ did for you, you 
now have a credit. That Jesus Christ paid a price for you that you could not and probably would not pay. He paid that for you. I want you to see this here in our text this morning. Romans chapter 4. We're going to start here in, in, in verse 1. Romans chapter 4, starting to verse 1. It says, What then shall we say was gained by Abraham, our forefather, according to the flesh? For if Abraham was justified by works, he has something to boast about, but not before God. For what does the scripture say? Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. Now to the one who works, his wages are not counted as a gift, but as his due. And to one who does not work, but believes in him, who justifies the ungodly, his faith is counted as righteousness. Just as David also speaks of the blessings of the one whom God counts righteousness apart from works, blessed are those whose lawless deeds are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord will not count his sins. I, I love how Paul takes this letter and he, he, he shows and enforces how important Scripture is. Now, I hope you get tired of hearing this, but uh, how important it is for us also to take importance in reading Scripture. That's why every year we go through a Bible reading plan and we read the Bible together. I don't know if you're anything like me, but when I was young in the faith, I didn't like the Old Testament. Like, this stuff was hard to understand and all these names I can't pronounce and all these places I never heard of. I just want to skip that part. Let me get to the good part. Like, tell me about Jesus. What is Jesus doing? But if you skip the Old Testament, you, you don't understand fully the new. If you skip that part, you, you don't get the full understanding and knowledge of what's going on. It's like jumping into the season six of a, 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 a 10 season show on Netflix. You, you don't understand what's happening because you didn't spend the time up front going through to understand who the characters and players are. You don't get the full knowledge of who God is and what he's done for his people. Paul here stresses all this. He brings them back. He's, his audience are filled with Jews and Gentiles, and the Jews knew their word backwards and forwards. And so he's like, let me tell you something. You, you remember Abraham? Of course they did. They knew it by heart. He's like, well, let's talk about Abraham and, and how God credited righteousness to him. What did that look like? What did that mean? In Genesis uh, 11 and 27, God calls Abram to leave the country of Ur and promise to show him another land and bless people through him. God said, hey, um, Abram, just pack up your stuff and, and just, just go that way for right now. Abram, hey, where, where am I going? What are we going to do? Like, just, just come on, just go. Leave your family and, and we'll, well, I'll take you there and you'll figure it out along the way. I'll fill you in as you travel. Then in Genesis 13 through 15, God declares that even though Abram and Sarai were unable to have children, he would make Abram's descendants as numerous as the stars of the sky. You remember this story, right? They were like, are you sure? We're kind of old. I mean, this is, we're past our prime. I don't know that we can be having kids like that. But God says, I got this. Don't worry. This is, this is a plan that we're going to go forward with. Don't worry about what's going on. And in fact, Genesis 15 and 6, and it says, he believed the Lord and has counted to him as righteousness. And we, we live in a world today where we, God, just, just show me a sign. 
and show me what I need to be doing. Show me where I need to go and then I'll trust you. What's wrong with you? God has been showing us throughout the annals of time that he can be trusted, that, that he is faithful, but what you want to sign. He is spoken a universe left into existence. He's blessed his people in numerous ways throughout time. But you want something to fall out of the sky. Even with the Israelites, when they had manna falling from the heavens, they were like, man, man, we should just go back to Egypt. I think we, they had better food back there. This manna, we get tired of that. But here Abram is. And he's. Uh, going and he's trusting the Lord. He didn't know where they were going, know what he was doing. And he trusted and it was credited to him as righteousness. Then in Genesis 17, God confirms his promise of a son and changed Abram's name to Abraham to signify that he would be a father of many nations. He continues to unfold his plan. Now, Abraham is a great example of someone who is saved by faith. And that's, that's good news for him because he wasn't perfect. You know, if you remember all the story of Abraham and what he was doing and, and what happened with him, he, he was not always doing the right things. He was not always making the, the best decisions. He constantly second-guessed God and tried to do things his own way. It sounds familiar to, I mean, to me in my life, I don't know about you, that I'm continuously trying to second-guess and understand and, and make my own way when I just need to follow God and what he told me to do. But this is the way God works. To be clear, Paul isn't saying that God's law is, is unimportant. He's helping us to see that it's impossible to be saved simply by obeying the law. The law is there to, to show us our need for a Savior, to show us that we're not perfect, to show us that we're not good, to show us that we can't stand up to God's perfect standard. That's what the law is there, to put a mirror in front of us and show us that we're broke, we're messed up, tired, and we need fixing. And so because when we see that now with the law, now we see, well, I can't do this on our own. I need some help. Matter of fact, I need more than help. I need somebody to do it for me. So works can't save us because then we'd have something to boast about. It says this here in the text. Or for, uh, uh, for what does scripture say? Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. And before that, it says Abraham was justified by works and he, he has something to boast about, but not before God. If it was up to us and we were doing things, then we have something to brag about. We'd be prideful about it. We'd give ourselves too much credit. But it doesn't matter how sincere or passionate your faith is if the object of your faith is wrong. We get ourselves in this trouble all the time and we think, oh, it was me. Oh, it was because of them. It was because of my education. It was because of my upbringing. It was because of my standards. because of my family. The object of our faith is wrong. It gets turned sideways. And that is simply does not help you. That it will lead you astray. That will lead you the wrong way. Has anybody heard of the, the Chicago Tylenol murder? Chicago Tylenol murder. I see a couple heads nod. Well, in 1982, there was multiple people that died from uh, taking Tylenol that had been tampered with right here in, in Chicago, a little bit north of us, actually. So this Tylenol was laced with cyanide. 
Now, they, they understood that be, because of the way it went, it wasn't a production issue, but somebody, once it had gotten onto the store shelf, somebody had gone in and took a few bottles and they tainted these bottles of Tylenol with cyanide. And this, um, there were multiple suspects, but none were accused. They didn't know where this came from, what happened, and it ended up in seven people losing their lives taking this laced Tylenol. After this, there were multiple copycat attacks involving Tylenol and other over-the-counter medications. And many of the, fortunately, many of the copycats were found. They were able to track these folks down, but the original uh, attacks were not ever able to be solved, unfortunately. So I think we're, this happened in 1982, so hopefully we're well beyond that and that person is, has been dealt with in one way or another. But the reason that I bring this up is because these victims, uh, they just wanted to relieve their pain. They, they just wanted to take something to relieve the aches that they were feeling. And the, the object of their faith was in the Tylenol. But unfortunately, the Tylenol could not be trusted. The object of their belief or faith was insufficient. Brothers and sisters, this is the key. This is what I, I need you to get here today, that it is the object of our faith that matters. You can have faith in yourself. You can have faith in your friends, family, the government, etc. But there's a strong possibility that each of these will fail. But I'm here to tell you today that Jesus Christ will never fail. If Jesus Christ is the object of your faith, he will never fall short. His word will never return void. And that's why it matters to understand and focus on the object of our faith. And it was because of Abraham's belief in God that it was counted to him or credited to him as righteousness. Because God was the object of his faith. He knew he couldn't do it alone. He knew it wasn't because of his family. It wasn't because of his wife. It wasn't because of his nephew or anything else. He knew it was because of God. The Greek word translated as counted or credited is used five times here in our text this morning. Logizomai is an accounting term that is used and explains how God, through his, his grace, he accounts for Abraham and his righteousness. This, this righteousness, by the way, that he did not have on his own. So God granted the status of righteousness when Abraham believed. And he, he put a tally there. Okay, I'm going to uh, appoint and I'm going to account this to you. This is how this works. Look with me in verse 4. It says, now to the one who works, his wages are not counted as a gift, but as his due. And to the one who does not work, but believes in him, who justifies the ungodly, his faith is counted as righteousness. So when we, when we understand this accounting term and it's being credited to our account, right? This, this righteousness is being credited to our account. We have to understand and really get, and we say this as, as churchy people, and understand salvation and salvation being a gift. I, I think we mentally get that, right? We, we say it all the time, but we don't always act like it. We always act like, well, there's still work that I need to do. There's still, I, I still need to stretch myself a little bit more so I can, I can earn this. It just doesn't feel right. 
to get this as a gift. But that's what it is. That's what salvation is for us. Who works to make up for getting a gift? It just doesn't make sense. How would you feel if you gave somebody a gift and they were like, well, I'll go wash your dishes so I can, you can feel good about giving me this gift. I'll go mow your lawn or do all this stuff. I'm like, I'm just, I just want you to enjoy the gift. I just wanted you to enjoy. I was thinking about you and, and how good you might feel being able to use this spa day. I don't need you to go and work it off. I did this because I love you. So if you, you have to do something and then you dismiss the gift and treat it like a wage, that, that doesn't work. You're trying to earn this or, or do something, something else. If someone could earn right standing from God by being good, then that gift would be more of an obligation than a free act, right? We, we, we do things for God because of the way that he loves us and because we love him. We, we don't do it to earn favor. We do it because we love him. And he loved us in return. That's the whole point. That's the whole purpose. I don't know if any of you watch Seinfeld, um, but I, have, I didn't watch it when it was originally running. Somehow I was just late to a lot of shows and started watching it over the past few years. And um, man, it's just something, something for everybody in, in, in this show. In Seinfeld. But there's an episode where Jerry accepts an Armani suit from a guy named Kenny Banya as a gift. And since Kenny wouldn't accept any, any money, Jerry's like, you know what, I'll just take you to dinner. I'll take you to a nice dinner and that'll be my thank you for this expensive suit that, that you're giving to me. And so they schedule the dinner and, and Kenny gets there and they're all excited. He's like, you know what, I'm not really that hungry. I'm just going to have soup. And he's like, we could do the dinner another time. And Jerry's like, well, no, this is the dinner. He's, he's like, no. He's like, no, no, I'm just having soup. Soup is not dinner. I happen to agree, soup is not dinner. <laughs> and he's like, well, nobody told you to eat earlier. You, you knew we were having a dinner. And, and by the way, Jerry doesn't like this guy very much, so he doesn't want to spend more time with him than he has to. And he's like, well, no, we're not going to do this. And so obviously the episodes go back and forth, and Jerry is trying to get him the dinner. He feels obligated now because Kenny is holding it over his head. Look, I gave you this expensive suit. The least you can do is give me a nice dinner. And Jerry feels obligated. He feels stuck. It's like, well, I got to do this for you now. And look, I I just don't like you. I don't want to spend time with you. He ends up giving the soup to somebody else. Because he's like, I'm tired of this. I don't want to be obligated to you anymore. Brothers and sisters, that's not how salvation works. When you think about salvation being a a free gift, it is truly free. This is not something you can earn. Even if it was something you can earn, you don't have enough to earn it. This is a free gift from God. Many people will stand before God and list their accomplishments and credentials and say, well, I went to church every Sunday. Well, I, held, I helped out at the food pantry. That got to count for something, right? I gave to charities. I, I read my Bible on occasion. Like that, that should give me some tallies, right? That just should earn my way to have a good seat in heaven. But this is not what happens. God does not grant salvation as something to be owed. Ephesians 2 and 8 says, For by grace 
you have been saved through faith. And not of your own doing, by the way. It is a gift from God, not as a result of works. Why? So that you can't boast. It is a free gift. And even as you think about faith, don't fall into the trap of thinking things like, well, is my faith strong enough? Or do, do I have enough faith? Like, like it's your gas tank and you can fill it up and it, it gets depleted. Do, do I have enough faith? Please don't miss the point. When Jesus gave up his life on the cross, he said, it is finished. Jesus is the one who saves and he does so, he does this regardless of how weak your faith is. He does so knowing how you're going to mess up. He, he does so knowing how you're going to go astray. But he does it anyway. Why? Because that's how much he loves you. That he gave up his life for you so that you can have a relationship with him and you be grafted into his family. And he would continue to express his love for you. Jesus offers us salvation as a gift because that's, that's how good he is. That's how much he loves us. Not because we earned it or through our powerful faith. Imagine if you had extra faith, like I'm, I'm super faith up here. You can't tell me nothing, right? I got, I got more than enough. Hey, you got some faith? I got some more. Let me give you some. Oh, I got some extras over here. I mean, that's not how it works. Jesus gives believers what we did not and we cannot earn. He just gives it to us. Man, that's crazy, isn't it? Like why, why, why would he do that? I mean, just thinking about myself, thinking about others, and how selfish people can be. This is the ultimate selfless act. That he was thinking about you on the cross. He was thinking about how, how he could, you could be with him. And we don't deserve it. But he says he's going to do it anyway. Look with me in verse 6. Just as David also speaks of the blessing of the one whom God counts righteousness apart from works. Blessed are those whose lawless deeds are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord will not count his sins. And we know about King David, right? Even, even King David recognized that sins aren't alleviated by hard work. He knew he couldn't do enough work to earn favor. Like Abraham, David was very flawed too. A man after God's own heart. He still stumbled and messed up. He was guilty of terrible sins like adultery, murder, lying, and we can go on and on. But all the while, he still experienced this joy of forgiveness. He still knew uh, understood the right standing he had with God. There's no scale where lawless acts are, are weighed against good deeds. People say, well, I hope I could do good enough just to, to tip the scale in my favor. You cannot. That, that's not how this, this works. That's not how 
God operates. The Lord does the forgiving and the covering, and we simply just need to believe and receive. It sounds easy, but it may not be simple. Brothers and sisters, you too can experience the joy of being forgiven. You too can know what this feels like. In order to do so, here's a few few things that, that you need to do. First of all, stop denying your guilt and recognize that you're a sinner. You know, folks don't like to mess with us church folks too much because we, we kind of act like we're high and mighty, that we got our stuff together when our stuff stinks too, that we don't have it all together. But we try to act like we do. I don't know why that is. Because the, the foundation of the gospel is because I, I am messed up, I'm toe up, but God still loves me. God still died for me. Even though I'm flawed in all these different ways, I'm still loved. That's the message of of the gospel. So why are you trying to act like that ain't true? You have to admit your guilt, knowing that you're a sinner. And knowing that you're forgiven. Admit the guilt to God and ask for for his forgiveness. I... When, when I was younger, I used to, I didn't want to admit my sin because I felt like, well, if I just try to stuff it down and hide it away, maybe it'll be all right. I could hide it from my mother. I could hide it from my father and my friends. But don't me, I, I, can't, I can't hide it from God. God who knows everything. God is, who is ever present. I was fooling myself thinking that I can hide those things. He, he knew I was going to do it before I did. And I just need to get it on my knees and ask for forgiveness. I needed to lay it bare. I need to lay it out on a table. And I do this continuously. As much as it hurts, as, as vulnerable as it makes me feel, that is what's necessary for us to lay it bare. This is who I am. This is what I've done. Lord, forgive me. And he's faithful to forgive. And then then once you do that, let go of it. Once you understand that you are guilty, understand that you sin, you, you go to the Lord and ask for forgiveness, let go of your guilt and believe that God has forgiven you. You know, sometimes we wanna we go and and, and we repent or we, we turn away from, from these things, but we still carry it around, we still burden with it. We do so, so much that we tend to identify ourselves with our sin. I'm an alcoholic. I'm a bad worker. I'm a bad husband. I'm this and I'm that. But that's not how God made you. That's not how you should be identifying yourself. You, you should not be identifying yourself with your sin. You, you ought to identify yourself as a child of God who is loved, who is cared for. You might have done some sinful things. You might have abused alcohol. You might have abused drugs and done other things, but that is not who you are. So go on and know that once you've laid yourself bare and you've asked for forgiveness, that God is faithful to forgive you. And he'll continue to shape you and mold you into, into his image and slowly take that away from you so you're not carrying that burden along with you. I know 
it can be difficult. Sometimes we straddle this fence by saying that, that we believe while all, the, all the time acting like it's not true. Like, well, I, I know that I'm forgiven, but I still got to carry this. You can't straddle the fence like that. The, the old saints used to say, let go and let God. That's, that's exactly what we need to do. And I know it's especially hard when you've sinned for so many years that you, you possibly even hurt people and affected others. It's just, just hard for you to let that go. You're like, I know I've done all these bad things and, and just left all these things in, in the wake of that. And people have been affected by it. You can still be forgiven. There's, you haven't done anything that cannot or has not been covered by the blood of Jesus. In his book, Knowing God, J.I. Packer says this, nobody can produce new evidence of your depravity that will make God change his mind. God justifies you, so to speak, with his eyes open. He knew the worst about you at the time when he accepted you for Jesus' sake, and the verdict which he passed then was and is final. Man, that's comforting. That nobody can dig up enough dirt about you that God will change his mind. He desired it from the very beginning what he would do, how he would do it for you so that you can have life, that you can have joy, that, that you can bless those people around you, similar to what Abraham experienced, that people would be uh, blessed by him and his family. The same can be true for us. Remember that Jesus is willing and able to forgive each and every sin. 1 John 1 and 9 says, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Imagine how that might feel. Like when you get, you, you, you take a nice long hot shower and you get out and how fresh you feel. Well, multiply that by infinity and, and knowing that you've been cleansed of all of your sin because of what Jesus Christ did on the cross. Martin Luther, the great reformer, it said this, the saints do not know that they are performing meritorious acts or works, but only pray for mercy and forgiveness. They see themselves as ordinary people. Like we don't know what the impact that we'll have on this world and the people around us, but we just know that we're forgiven. We just know that we're loved. And that compels us to do what us to do because of that love, because of his mercy, because of his grace. If you're here with us today and you want to know more, maybe you haven't submitted your life to Christ and you're just like, what does this look like for me? How do I live this out in my day-to-day? -day? I would love to have that conversation with you. I would love to be able to talk with you and pray with you about that. What, what does it look like for you to accept Jesus and follow him? Or if you're here today and like, well, 
you know, I've been following Jesus for a long time, but man, I just, I just been messing up. I've been going astray. I've been, I haven't been doing what I need to do. I have taken my focus off on him and, and focused on, on something else. I'd love to have that conversation with you as well. Like, how can I help you? How can I be praying for you? How can I encourage you? How can I work with you in a, on accountability so that um, you feel uh, strong and courageous in following Jesus Christ? Let's have that conversation as well. Let's pray. Lord God, we're just so grateful for who you are. Grateful for all that you've done and, and, and appreciative that, you know, as we look at our own lives, know that it's not uh, because of anything that we can or will be able to do, but everything that has already been done for us, we, that you have given us this free gift of salvation, that as we talk about the gospel, the good news, that we honestly and earnestly see why it is good news because we are uh, sinners um, in need of a Savior. So, Father, we thank you for sending your Son that whoever would believe in him would not perish but have a life that is everlasting. Help us to not only know that for ourselves but live it out in our lives that we would have an impact on our families and the communities because of who you are and what you've done for us in our own lives. Help us to uh, not just want to have some check marks in our lives, but um, just go through and understand how you loved us so much that we love you in return and that um, all this just pours out of us, that the grace we receive pours out of us onto others. The mercy that we receive pours out on others as well. The love everything that you've shown to us. Help us to leave here just putting your name up on high and being excited about who you are and what you've done. And we thank you for all these things in Jesus' name.